0: Today's episode contains a discussion of suicide and depression. Please check our show notes to find links to where you can find help if you're currently affected by those issues. Hi guys, welcome to a brand new episode of NHBF Shines On. I'm Brooke Evans and just like you, I run my own salon. I wanted to have real conversations with the people that make the rest of the world feel beautiful. Tom Chapman is a superstar barber that has left a giant footprint in the barbering industry. He's written books appeared on the cover of hairdressers journal and his lion's barber collective is slowly changed in the conversation around men's mental health this is just a warning today's podcast does deal with issues of suicide with that being said today on the podcast nhbf shines on tom chapman Hello, Tom. Thank you so much for coming onto the NHBF podcast today. I just want the people to have a bit of an understanding of who you are. So, please, could you tell everyone who you are and what you do?
1: Okay, so, in a brief overview, I am Tom Chapman. I am the founder of Alliance Barber Collective, which is a mental health charity. I am also the creator of Barber Talk and Hair Beauty Talk, which is mental health training. I am an author, four times author now, and I also cut hair, still. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite
0: a bit under the belt there. That's not just like, you know, one one part, one sector. You've got it all going on.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit wild.
0: Can you remember the first time that you wanted to become a barber?
1: I suppose I never really wanted to become a barber. I was actually at sixth form and I was going to do ancient history and Egyptology at university, but I was into music and punk rock. I did my own hair, my friend's hair and my mum suggested well she just said to me why are you going to university because you're not going to be indiana jones why don't you cut hair because you obviously like cutting hair and doing your own hair and your mate's hair so it kind of happened and evolved i wasn't a barber originally secrets out i'm a hairdresser really but i was tony and guy trained and then went into men's hair that kind of progressed it was a natural evolution of my career I suppose
0: it's interesting because like after speaking to a lot of people doing this a lot of parents are against their children going into hairdressing or barbering or anything like that so yours were obviously like trying to like guide you down that avenue like what was the conversation
1: like it's funny you say a lot of hair and beauty industry is always when they do those those researches and surveys it's always one of the happiest careers that people are in, but it's also one of the ones that people least want their children to aspire to be, which is a big shame. But I can find from my journey, my parents, my mum said to me, Why don't you do it? Because she saw the skill and the enjoyment that I had from creating hair. But when I was at school, I went to sixth form I went to tell my teachers that I wasn't going to go to university and I was going to go and do hairdressing and I'd already got a job at Tony and Guy from when I finished my A-levels, they were all disappointed in me because I wasn't going to university. Why would you give up and not go into further education because you got predicted grades and all the rest of it? So they were disappointed in me, apart from my sociology teacher who thought it was fantastic with her heterosexual male was going into hairdressing because it was breaking social norms or whatever yeah so she thought it was fantastic but it's this ongoing devaluation of our industry and having less respect for the industry and thinking that it's something you do if you can't do anything else when in fact it's a a phenomenal industry that's given so many opportunities and you can make good money as well because I know that's what it boils down to a lot of the time isn't it go to school work hard go to university get a good job you'll get good money you'll be able to get a good house and then you can enjoy it when you retire and that's kind of the story we're sold but you know I don't think it's as linear as that I think if you find something as an individual that you enjoy and you love and you're passionate about and you've got the energy to give just 10% more than anyone else around you you'll you'll succeed
0: so fast forward from there You've started to run your own shop. You've probably told this story before, but what leads to you starting the Lions Barber Collective?
1: I opened my own shop in 2011, which gave me the freedom to explore barbering and become global barber, director and travel and work. It gave me those opportunities. And then everything's going quite well. And all of a sudden, one, one day, I found out that my friend had taken his life just as I was uh, going to bed. And I'd seen him just days before in the street. And it was, it was a very difficult moment because i was completely unaware that he was struggling there was that guilt there was uh laying in bed all night thinking why why would he do this but also what if i had asked him what if he had what if i'd recognized that he was struggling what if i'd asked him if he was okay yeah all those kind of just worries and concerns running around my head all night and um it was really impacted me massively and i think the next day i actually went to work i lived above the sound at the time. And I actually uh, spoke to all my clients, they all realized something was wrong with me and I spoke to them and it, it was really weird because although it didn't change anything, having those conversations actually made it slightly easier, if you know what I mean, it kind of, uh, rather than staying at home, I could have stayed at home and just had it in, in you know, wallowed in the pity and the shame and the sadness and all the rest of it. I'd, I'd been telling myself so that was a really interesting day and then a, a really big turning point was actually at his funeral the crematorium I was one of the first people not to have a seat and I was ushered to the front and stood next to his coffin looking back at a room which was full and spilling out into the lobby and foyer and beyond and I was in a very unique position for a funeral normally you're it's a very insular thing it's your own emotions you're sat next to people but you're looking at the back of people's heads and looking at a speaker but I was stood up next to the speaker and next to Alex in his coffin, looking back at the room of all this sadness and all this love and all the emotions and all their faces. Which it was a driving point in that moment that made me think, oh, "I need to change. There's something needs to change. We need to change something here because this this guy had all this love. Yeah, he felt that suicide was the only option. Yeah, uh, you know, in his in his late twenties, and he had the whole life ahead of him, and he decided to end it. That was a catalyst, really, that started the whole thing. And I remember talking to my friends at the Wake saying, "We need to do something. I don't know what it is yet, but we need to do something." And then, and then that time passed. I had you know, I had a shop, I had a business, and a year later, I thought, "Right, we need to get a group of people together to do something to raise money for something, or raise awareness for something." So I gathered thirty barbers and we created a lookbook, men's haircut images, as like a catalog to put on barbershop tables and things like that, so people could pick it up. Men would pick it up and. And one of the guys suggested mental health and suicide prevention. And that just like opened my eyes. I thought, how could I have lost a friend, wanted to do something and not realize that there was mental health and suicide prevention charities that we could raise money for and awareness for? So that's what the original project was. It was meant to be a a, a men's lookbook catalog to start conversations around mental health and raise money and awareness. But it kind of grew very quickly into something much bigger.
0: What an incredible journey you've been on through something that was so sad and poignant in your life. And I know through the industry that the Lion's Barber is so well respected and is so well used. And I think you've taken light out of a bad situation and you have turned it into something so positive. And we all are in a in a situation at the moment where you see that mental health is not spoken about, especially amongst men. And I think it's great what you're doing. And I know the industry fully backs what you've done and appreciates where you've come from.
1: Thank you. It's something that just happened to, it grew very organically. And I think you talk about the conversations and that's why the sort of next step of why it's continued and why it's continued to grow and why I decided to put more of my time and effort into it was because, I was speaking to my clients and telling them about the project because at the time it was very stressful trying to walk. I'd never done anything like that, organizing that. And I was just telling them what we were doing and why we were doing it. And all my clients were saying to me things like, you helped me through my divorce or you helped me through my redundancy or when I was going through this. And it was just ongoing. And I didn't realize the impact that I was having or we have as an industry until that moment. And then something that there was this peak of it, one of my friends paul come and sat in the chair and told me about all the things he was going through how he was struggling and i I pretty much listened but i told him that it's okay to talk about these things it's okay to reach out it's okay to there are things available have you heard of this this and this and he actually went to go and end his life Uh, but he thought about the conversation when he was sitting there he thought about the conversation that we had had and that was enough to prompt him to get back in his car drive to see his family and start his journey on recovery And he. I can very thankfully say he's still alive today. He is now married. He has his own house. He has his own business. He has a little boy. And yeah, that's such a huge success story. And that, that was the real key thing that made me think, well, look, we saved a life. All I did was listen to them and tell him about things that are available. And that was enough to have that impact, which made me decide that I'm going to do more. Everybody needs to know about this. If I'm making this impact, anybody working behind the chair is probably already doing it. And perhaps we can help train them to... Be more efficient at it and protect ourselves as hairdressers and barbers and stylists, as well as protecting the clients and our communities.
0: Yeah, it, when we talk about hairdressing, it's widely known people tell us as hairdressers as barbers more than they tell their therapist and you know i think we can have a huge positive impact on people and like you say you saved somebody's life by just having a conversation i mean when you think about it you talk with people all day every day so you don't know how much impact you've actually had on several people's lives not just one person that's told you what's happened
1: yeah i think we all have a huge impact on our clients i think we under undervalue it because we're undervalued as an industry we, we say that we just cut hair we're taught how to cut hair but i think you don't even have to be that good at cutting or coloring hair to be a busy successful stylist i think obviously there's a level but if you're good at customer skills if you have empathy if you're emotionally intelligent you're unable to become a form of social chameleon where you revolve to your clients in the chair and give yourself to them and be present with them you'll be incredibly busy i think as a as a stylist. and listening well is such a such an important part of it. You know, I, I used to work with a guy who was a phenomenal stylist, but he just did what he wanted to the client's hair. And it looked fantastic from my point of view and his <laughs> point of view, but actually they were never happy. So, you know, I think it's, yeah, you know, it, it's a really, really vital part of our industry that we're not given credit for. And it's something that I think we just, we just do very well. I think the barbershop is a place where they have this relationship with a familiar stranger, someone who knows them for a long period of time. You know, I've known people 20 years, but I don't see them outside of that environment. They have a a, a license to touch. Being a hairstylist, you run your fingers through loads of people's hair. But it's not many people have that privilege to be able to do that. It's a very intimate thing to do, to put your hands on someone's head or face. And I think that, has a as a part of it but there's a lot of lots of trust there We tr- they trust us to make them look good with sharp implements i mean there's not many situations where you would pay somebody and find it relaxing to hold a cutthroat razor to your throat um <laughs> but in a barbershop, they do yeah and that's a really big part of it i think you know they can come in they can tell us stuff we make them look fantastic we have the human interaction and touch which releases oxytocin which is a feel-good hormone anyway and you know how often do you get to sit down for an hour with somebody? We're in, in real life, with no interruptions and have a conversation.
0: Absolutely. I, I've got to ask, where did the name the Lions Barber Collective come from?
1: Obviously, at the time, this was for the original project, we were 30 barbers. And so we wanted to have barber in there just to, you know, it's a recognizable term. It's obviously short haircuts, mostly men's haircuts. A collective, because we were a collective. And the reason why it became Lions is because we were from England Ireland Scotland and Wales like the rugby team British Lions so that's kind of why that came about but it kind of has so much meaning as well you know there's so many different symbolisms of the lion being strong you know being part of a pride and like I always say lion may be king of the jungle but it's nothing without his pride so we need to be stronger together
0: oh I love that that's really lovely like when you think about it there's so much more meaning to it than what it is what was the early experience like of starting the Lions Barber Collective? I bet it wasn't all plain sailing.
1: No, it wasn't. It still isn't. It's probably the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life starting it. I've had moments where I wanted to give it all up. Never realized I had problems with mental health until I started a mental health charity, ironically. you know, It's very much highs and lows. It's very much a, a roller coaster. There's moments where you have a, a day of lots of interest from lots of amazing people and then You have days where funding falls through and you think well only recently a load of funding fell through and it was a case of look we've got three months to survive and if we don't get funding in that time then we'll have to stop it is very difficult it's a big toll on me and my family i must say i'm lucky i've got such a supportive wife that enables me to be able to do what i do but yeah it's not easy as you start off with even you have to become an actual charity you have to create a constitution you have to have five grand in the bank before you can become a charity but you need to find five grand from somewhere to do that and at the time i didn't have 500 quid let alone five grand so it was very difficult trying to raise that and I, the guys from barber's ride actually raised money for us to help us become a charity which was just incredible uh, so forever thankful for them but yeah i mean it's, it's an ongoing process i mean for me i was actually employed by the charity and the trustees last year because i was giving so much time to it and doing other things as well And they wanted me to become full-time so now I suppose there's even more pressure on it because I need to make it work. Otherwise, we can't continue. So it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And you're constantly spending your time around mental health and suicide prevention. But it is such a rewarding thing to do. It is my purpose. It is my journey. And actually, you know, when you get a message from somebody randomly who's been trained, who said, because of the training, I saved a life today. And I had it just recently after talking at Barber Connect on stage. I had a guy message me the next day to say, Thank you so much for your talk. I used to work in mental health, but now I'm a barber. But because of that, you reminded me not to butt in and try and offer solutions. I actually listened to this person who came into the shop and ended up keeping them safe and saving their lives. And that is so powerful and gives us the energy to keep going forward. But it's not an easy thing to do. Otherwise, I suppose most people would do it. But it's a purposeful thing to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you went on to say that, you know, you weren't aware of your own mental health struggles until you delved into mental health yourself I think you take on quite a bit and you've then got to find a way to release that do you find yourself releasing it in a different way
1: yeah I'm very aware of how to keep yourself mentally well I do lots of education on that and I'd lots of reading on that and lots of I mean I spend most of my time now with I mean it's a, it's a weird combination it's either at hair events or with psychiatrists and clinical people and doctors and stuff like that so I am aware and around that a lot I make sure that I look at the five steps to mental well-being and and apply that to myself as well different things like reading your own self and knowing when it's time to stop and take a day out and spend some time with the family for example I have Dr Peter Aitken who's one of our trustees and who is a psychiatrist and refers to himself as my pet psychiatrist but he helps out a lot especially because I've lost people. I'm more involved in it all the time. I've lost I lost one of our ambassadors just over a year ago, suicide. So, you know, he was there for me and helped me through that. So I'm very, very lucky because I have an amazing support group. And I think I'm always learning and always growing and being more aware of how to look after my own mental well-being.
0: As a salon owner, and a new salon owner, not only do you have to worry about mental health within your clients that come through the door but also that your staff as well it's completely opened my eyes i think since owning a salon and having responsibility over a team of people that there are people within your roof that actually really struggle with mental health and i've looked at help and we've had lengthy chats with some of my girls because i was completely new to it if i'm honest and you know you only want to do good in what you do and you want people to feel safe in your working environment
1: yeah i think it's it's a big responsibility becoming a salon and congratulations on that as well
0: <laughs> thank you
1: it's a big thing you know you've, you've got to pay your own bills but you've got to know enough money to pay for their bills as well you know and, and it's a the sense of responsibility in that and also keeping them mentally well so that they feel that you're workspace is a safe environment an enjoyable environment to come to and look there is lots of responsibility but i think it's also about building all the things that we do for the training you can apply to anybody in it you know that's why the the training has been written into why i wrote my last book how to listen to men will talk is basically the training the recognizing the signs asking good questions listening well and helping people find the help they need can be utilized in any situation so we can do it with our clients our colleagues our families and i think it's really important that we all know that it's a safe space and we're, we're all there for each other whether that's a, a buddying up system where you just check in on your buddy every morning and every evening before and after work just to see how they've been since how was work today how did you, you know is there anyone offloaded to you about anything that you want to offload to me you know did you have a difficult conversation or a difficult client or whatever and then in the morning how was home life last night was it okay how was the journey in and just checking in on each other by buddying up is such a simple thing that you can do that can actually really make a big impact and by telling people it's a safe space is so powerful i mean i've been publicly telling people this for six years now i go out for a night out or I'm at a different event or people know who i am and they'll say you're the guy that does mental health and i'm like yes that's me yeah and they'll go well i've been going through and they just tell me everything and, you know, that's people that I don't even know and people that, I mean, in the industry, maybe they're more aware of me, but if I go out for a night out and talk, I'll get random people just come and tell me and I'm a six foot three, <laughs> 20 stone tattooed bloke, you know, and they just come and tell me in a bar, everything that's going on. And I think that's only because I've just told them it's a safe space. I haven't done anything else. And we can all do that. I sold my salon because I decided. I was doing too much. I was traveling with work as a global barber director. So I was on planes a couple of times a month, different countries. I had a salon that I was managing. I had the Lions Barber Collective and I was doing public speaking and stuff as well. And my dad actually sat me down and said, look, you've got to give something up. What do you like the least? I said, to be honest with you, the thing that gives me the most headaches at that time was managing the salon when I was in different countries and getting a phone call at 3am when I'm in LA saying, the internet's (laughs) not working. Have you tried turning it on and off again? (laughs) No, not yet. oh my god like but yeah the usual stuff you know and actually I decided to get rid of the salon and that was so difficult for me because I felt like a failure the salon's closing what other people going to think and actually it was opening the salon was the best thing I did but closing it was the second best thing I did because it empowered me to be able to go and do the other things It helped me to be able to travel with hair it empowered me to be able to go and do the Lions Barber Collective and focus on them.
0: I think it's great that you've we're having a conversation here that You found it really great that you opened the salon, but obviously closing was the second greatest thing. And quite often in these situations, we look at it and go, what went wrong? What didn't happen that should have happened for Tom to keep his salon? When actually, I think there's something really impressive about you choosing to close it for a reason.
1: Yeah, life changes and you evolve. And I think that's what it is. I think i would outgrown that role. (laughs)
0: I feel like we may have skipped over a bit of an important part of your journey. What happened between you leaving Tony and Guy and you opening your own salon?
1: Uh, Okay, so I left Tony and Guy and I went and worked for somebody who I was working with at Tony and Guy, an independent salon, and worked with them for about 6 years I think it was. It was a good time I worked with them. I ended up working my way up and managing one of their salons, but I was also very much into music. At the time I was a frontman for a death metal band, so we used to tour and play and and that was my first love really. I think music was my love and hair came out of that because of the hairstyles associated to music it enabled me to practice those hairstyles and get into hairdressing. But hairdressing provided me a platform where I could be who I wanted to be and be an individual and have tattoos and have wild hair because it was acceptable where well, I wouldn't have been able to do that doing other things and there I was the front man of the band and that was really my my sort of first love and that was what I was trying to do and we had a couple of offers for record deals and then the last one fell through because whatever the bassist wouldn't sign the deal or whatever and when the band split up I sort of went right well that's it now I've wanted to be on stage doing music perhaps I can take that journey and do it with hair and focus everything on hair so i went to open my own shop and that enabled me to be able to use that space as a as a studio doing photo shoots and i actually ended up doing hair on stage in front of far more people than i ever did the music stuff so <laughs> who'd have thought
0: we are coming to the end of our podcast and at the end of every podcast we do quick fire questions where you just answer within a couple of words What is the biggest business mistake you've ever made?
1: I've got too many to list. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there is mistakes. I think you'd you'd learn from it. Failure is an event, not a person.
0: Oh, that's a good answer. What's the worst haircut you've ever gotten yourself?
1: Oh God. Again, too many to list. I've had everything from mohawks and leopard print hair to long hair and perms and all sorts. So (laughs) yeah, whatever. It's only a haircut, isn't it? (laughs) It grows out.
0: What's the worst haircut you've ever given?
1: god i think when i was turning to a young guy and doing bobs and forgetting to do graduation over direct and things like that when i was very really, very new to the game i'd say I remember seeing that corner disappear
0: <laughs> i've just cut somebody's whole length off <laughs> <laughs> what's your morning routine
1: uh get jumped on by the boys at 5 a.m and then get up and sort them out and try and get to the gym if possible
0: what's a rumor that you've heard about yourself that's not true
1: Oh god so many especially when i was in the band actually my sister told me recently that apparently a whole of talkie is talking about me signing a multi-million deal to work with l'oreal which i don't know where that came from but if they're listening they want to send me that money that's <laughs> fine
0: <laughs> send them my <by> way yeah <laughs> what are you most proudest of
1: my boys i'd say
0: that's cute what is your hidden talent
1: if you Google no such thing as a king on or watch it on YouTube, there's a music video of me screaming on there on a, in a death metal band. So if you want to laugh, you can do that.
0: Is there something about being a barber that's harder than you thought it would be?
1: Yeah, on your back and your feet. It's quite difficult, isn't it? You know, standing up all day is quite hard work.
0: Yeah, I think that first week when you're fully on the floor, oh, I feel like you need a month's worth of a holiday.
1: <laughs> Especially after going back after the pandemic.
0: Yeah, that was hard going and the final question is what advice would you give to your younger self
1: i'd just say keep on going do it as you do i don't think uh, anything to change
0: beautiful absolutely i agree with that I just wanted to say a massive thank you for you coming on here to share your experience and share your journey. If people are wanting to find you on social media, which I'm sure they will, where can they find you?
1: Instagram is Tom Chapman Hair. The Lions Barbers is on everything. And if you go on the website, if you want to get in contact with the Lions Barber Collective, you can find all our email, contact details, anything on there.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been a great chat. I've learned lots. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of NHBF Shines On. In our next episode, we'll continue to bring you the stories of the brightest lights in the hair and beauty industry and bring you the personal insight that could take your business to the next level. Until next time, goodbye.